Welcome to Theories of the Third Kind. Welcome to Theories of the Third Kind. My name is Aaron, and I am one of your hosts. There are two other hosts that are joining me today. Danielson. Hey, guys. What's up? And Hans. Howdy, howdy, guys. Now, real quick, before we start today's episode, I just want to say that if you would like to support the show, then there's a few ways that you can do that. Each week, we release a Patreon-exclusive episode that only Patreon supporters can get access to. To sign up, it's only $5 a month, which is $0.16 cents a day. Not only do you get an extra episode per week for that $5, but you also get access to our entire back catalog of past Patreon episodes. In total, we have over 72 extra Patreon episodes, which is over 80 extra hours of listening pleasure. To see the full list of Patreon episodes, go to our website, theoriesofthethirdkind.com, and click on the Patreon Episodes tab, There, you will see an entire list of Patreon-exclusive episodes that we have published. Also, today, we've added another Patreon-exclusive episode, which is over Alex Jones and his connections with the CIA and him actually being Bill Hicks. So you get access to that episode, as well as the others, for just $5. Now, if you can't afford a Patreon membership, but you want to help us out, then you can leave us a written review on iTunes. That helps us out a lot. However, don't feel pressured to leave us one. We just want you guys, girls, aliens, reptilians, Bigfoot, Sasquatches, Chupacabras, ghosts, Illuminati members, underground lizard people, whoever, whatever you are, to enjoy the show. And that is the end of the announcements. So today's episode is over Bohemian Grove. So how this episode will go today is that we'll talk about the history of Bohemian Grove, who attends it, how to get a membership, what happens at Bohemian Grove, the strange facts and findings, the theories, and our own personal thoughts and theories. So with that being said, let's get into today's episode. Some of the wealthiest and most powerful men in the country each year attend a secret meeting in the woods of California. At this gathering, Mock sacrifices and weird occult-like rituals are performed in front of a 40-foot-tall owl statue. For decades, the media has not been allowed inside, and individuals from all over the world have been caught trying to sneak into it. Rumors surround this secret gathering. For example, was a child murdered there in the early 1980s? Do the elite really decide the fate of the world for that following year behind these closed doors? Or is it all just an innocent summer camp for them to let loose? This is Bohemian Grove. All right, so what we're going to talk about is going to sound a bit unbelievable. But what I want you to keep in mind as you listen to this is that this is not a conspiracy. This is a factually proven thing that occurs every year. There have been multiple pictures, documents, and audio clips leaked to the press. 
There's also video evidence of this event from someone who snuck inside of it, which we're going to talk about during Strange Facts and Findings. Now, to start this off, it is best if we start off with how this entire thing got started. So, Dan, can you start off with the history of Bohemian Grove? Absolutely. All right. So real quick, before we dive into the history, you should first know the definition of the word bohemian. Bohemian is, and I quote, a person who is interested in art, music, and or literature, and lives in a very informal way, ignoring the usually accepted ways of behaving. Now, keep this in the back of your mind as we go forward. So back to the start of the history. Now, this all begins back in 1872. At the time, the San Francisco Examiner which is a newspaper distributed in California, well, some journalists who wrote for them, and a couple of actors decided to get together and create the Bohemian Club. The reason why they called the club Bohemian is because the club was, and I quote, it was for the cultured intellectual urban Bohemian to gather, not the impoverished type. The group of men chose an owl as the club symbol and they gathered regularly to socialize, drink, and put on a theatrical and musical performance. Now real quick, like Hans mentioned, the club picked an owl as their symbol, which I didn't want you to think that we we're just going to gloss over that, but we're going to save it for later because we have an entire strange fact and finding section dedicated to that where we go over that symbol. So just keep that in your mind. All right, so back to the history. So the men would host these gatherings at temporary locations, usually at one of the group's members' house, and this happened until 1878. During that year in 1878, as the men gathered at a random member's house, an individual there named Henry Edwards stood up and made an announcement. Now, a little knowledge nugget here. This Henry dude was an actor and one of the founding members of the Bohemian Club. So he was a pretty important part of the group. So needless to say, when Henry stood up and made the announcement, everyone paid attention. Henry said that he was leaving California and was headed to New York City to further his career as an actor. Of course, everyone was like, damn man, that sucks. But you do you, Harry. We still love you, dog. So before Harry left, the club decided to throw a party for him. On June 29th, 1878, 100 members of the Bohemian Club gathered in the forest of Marin County, California for an evening party in Henry Edwards' honor. These members partied hard. You know, they drank lots of liquor, they got tore up, and they had a great time under those giant redwood trees in the California forest. The following day, Henry left for New York. For the next few months, members of the Bohemian Club would talk about how great of a time they had at Harry's Sendaway party. One of the members had an idea, he said. Hey, why don't we have another party in the forest next year and make it a yearly official festive gathering? Everyone thought this was a great idea and they all agreed to it. From 1879 to the early 1890s, the members of the Bohemian Club held a yearly gathering at various locations in the forest of California. Then, in 1893, the club found a spot in the forest of Sonoma County, California, that had a redwood grove. Now, if you don't know what a redwood grove is, well, 
Redwood is a type of tree that grows extremely tall and a grove is a group of trees. So it was basically a spot in the forest with a bunch of tall ass freaking trees. So the club found this spot in the forest that they liked. So they decided to rent that area for the next six years to host their yearly gatherings at. Then in 1899, the group put their money together and purchased this plot of the forest. Years later, members of the club started purchasing this land surrounding this original location, slowly expanding the site to what it is today, a 2,700-acre campground. As the land grew, so did the membership of the group. It originally went from 100 members to now almost 2,500 members, which 2,500 doesn't sound like you know, a lot, but these individuals are high-profile members. We're talking about several former United States presidents, high-ranking politicians, and military officials. Because of these high-profile people only being invited, the media not allowed inside, and it being super, super secretive with loads of security surrounding the area, this, of course, leads people to speculate about what is going on in there. So, before we discuss what actually happens during this two-week getaway in the middle of the forest, let's go over the club's members and who attends or has attended these annual meetings. Now, like it was mentioned earlier, at the start of the club in the 1800s, the size of the membership wasn't very big. You know, and most of them wrote for newspapers or were actors of some sort. However, over the course of more than a century, it has grown to a membership of almost 2,500 individuals, including artists, musicians, as well as many prominent business leaders, high-ranking government officials, military officials, former United States presidents, senior media executives, and people of power. So besides all of the members being male, since it has a strict all-male policy, the attendees also share similar backgrounds. They were either born super rich or they became super rich somehow. Now, we don't talk politics, of course, and we aren't Republicans or Democrats. So just keep that in mind with this next statement. Bigfoot 2024! Now, the majority of the political individuals that attend this meeting have a conservative political leaning. For example, every Republican president since Calvin Coolidge in the early 1900s has attended the Bohemian Grove. Just a quick note, we have searched and searched to see if Donald Trump has attended this, and we have found that he was never invited to it as he was president. Just a little knowledge nugget there for you. Yeah, and uh, like Dan mentioned, we're not Republican, we're not Democrat, we're the party of the people, we're the party of Bigfoot 2024. But uh, it says never invited as he was president. Does that mean he was invited when he wasn't president? So I looked, I looked, I couldn't find anything. I couldn't find him attending it in any of the years. So. Interesting. Yeah. All right. So moving forward, we do have a list of some notable individuals who are a part of the club or have attended it in the past, which we'll go over right quick. So the first person on this list is the 26th president of the United States, Theodore Roosevelt. Now, he was granted honorary club membership privileges when he became the president of the United States. Just a little knowledge nugget for you. 
then we have the 31st president of the United States, Herbert Hoover. He ended up joining the Bohemian Club in 1913. Only a few years later, he became the director of the United States Food Administration, then the United States Secretary of Commerce, and then, of course, in 1929, he became the president. Then we have the 34th president of the United States, good old Dwight D. Eisenhower. And just a side note, he was a five-star general in the Army during World War II. So there's your high-ranking military official right there. Well, thank you for that knowledge nugget. Yeah, he's like the only one that was ever made that. Like, no other general could ever make that rank. So, knowledge nugget. Now, after Eisenhower, we have the 37th president of the United States, good old Richard Nixon. I'm not a crook. <laughs> That's pretty good. Yeah. Just a side note here. No, I'm just kidding. Just a side note. In 1950, when Nixon was just a congressman, he was invited to Bohemian Grove by the past president, Herbert Hoover. Shortly after that, he became the United States Senator of California, then the Vice President of the United States from 1953 to 1961, then, of course, the President of the United States in 1969. Next is the 40th President of the United States, Ronald Reagan. In 1975, when he was the governor of California, he was officially inducted into the Bohemian Club. Of course, he then became the President of the United States in 1981. Then we have the 41st President of the United States, George H.W. Bush. He joined the club in 1973. Now, at this time, he was the chairman of the Republican National Committee. Shortly after that, he became the United States liaison to the People's Republic of China. Then in 1976, he became the director of the CIA. Then the vice president of the United States in 1981, and of course, the president in 1989. Finally, we have the 43rd president of the United States, good old George W. Bush. He was personally brought there by his father in 1994, which a year later in 1995, he became the governor of the great state of Texas. Then in 2001, he of course became the president of the United States of America. Do you see like a trend going on here? You get invited and then all of a sudden you start making your way up through the ranks. I see it. I do see it. We need to get invited. Yeah. So that's just a highlight of some of the presidents that are members or have been invited or have attended this gathering in the past. Now, there are plenty of other high up people that attend this as well, such as secretary of states, army generals, vice presidents, such as Dick Cheney, other high ranking and rich people such as the Rothschilds, the Rockefeller family, including John D. Rockefeller. Henry Kissinger, Andrew Carnegie, J.P. Morgan of J.P. and Morgan and Chase, Henry Ford of the Ford Motor Company, and even celebrities are invited and go, such as Clint Eastwood, Mark Twain, and plenty more. I mean, there's a giant list. And honestly, it reminds me of Jeffrey Epstein in his little black book of powerful individuals that he had. Do you guys remember that? Jeffrey Epstein had that little black book, and he had all those powerful celebrities in it. And high-ranking officials and stuff. Anyways, that's just, that's just a theory we'll get onto during theory section. But let's, let's continue on. 
So needless to say, this is an exclusive list of individuals right off the bat. So how do you join this club? Well, there are a few ways that you can join. The quickest way is that you get invited by a high-ranking member. Now, there are other ways. Let's say that you are rich or a prominent figure such as an actor, but you don't have any connections with anyone to get in. Well, you have to pay a joining fee and sign up on the waiting list that they have. Now, the membership guidelines don't require that you are a wealthy or famous person. However, the membership fees would be hard to pay if you didn't have quite a bit of money. The initial joining fee alone is around $25,000. On top of that, there is a yearly fee of around $15,000. Now, these fees are assuming that your application even gets approved. On top of all that money, you have to get your application approved and you have to get on a waiting list. And it is said that the average time on this waiting list to be actually even considered to join the club is between 20 to 30 years. Damn. Oh, my God. Let's start now. It's so long. Now, if you're lucky enough and actually get a membership to the Bohemian Club, then you can actually schedule private day uses at the Grove itself anytime you want. As long as the Grove isn't being used at the time by the club, then you can bring your families, friends, and spouses there, and they can all hang out. Now, there is a little caveat. Females and minors, they must be off the property by 9 p.m. Just a little FYI if you do decide to join. Interesting. So. Let's now discuss the grove itself and what it looks like. The main area consists of 160 acres of redwood trees that are over a thousand years old, with some of the trees exceeding 300 feet in height. It was reported in 2007 that there are 10 sleeping quarters that contain over 118 total camps that are scattered throughout this grove. Yeah, so there's 10 sleeping quarters and they each have 20 to 30 or however many camps within those sleeping quarter areas. So kind of visualize it as that, as like subgroups. Hans, tell us about the names of these 10 sleeping quarters. These 10 sleeping quarters have quite unique names, which are the following. The Hillbillies, the Mandalay, the Caveman, the Stowaway, the Uplifters, the Owl's Nest, the Hideaway, the Isles of Aves, the Lost Angels, and the Silverado Squatters. So besides the sleeping quarters and the cabins, there's a lot more areas and buildings there on the campground. One of the buildings uh, that they have is called the Grove Stage, which is a huge amphitheater that can seat over 2,000 people and is used as a stage on the last weekend of the summer meeting. Now, this stage also has the second largest outdoor pipe organ in the world. Just a little FYI. There is another amphitheater stage that is called the Field Circle, which is used for a variety of performances. Then there is another huge area that is called the Campfire Circle, which has a giant campfire pit in the center that is surrounded by carved redwood log benches. They have another stage, which is the Museum Stage and is semi-outdoor and is used for lectures. 
They have a dining circle that has seating for over 1,500 individuals. They also have a huge clubhouse that is overlooking the river and is used for entertainment purposes and indoor meetings. The last area in the grove is called the Owl Shrine and Lake. Now, this lake is an artificial one, and it's located in the interior of the Grove campground. The Owl Shrine itself is a 40-foot-tall owl that sits on the edge of this lake, and it has like a stage leading up to the owl. So this stage is used for concerts as well as an event that takes place during the two-week outing called the Cremation of Care, which we'll go over that Cremation of Care during Strange Facts and Findings. Now, another thing that they have there on the lake is called the Lakeside Talks. These are described as significant informal talks that have been given over the years by many entertainers, professors, astronauts, business leaders, cabinet officers, central intelligence agency directors, future presidents, and former presidents there at the gathering. Now, that brings up the question, with all these stages, cabins, land, famous, rich, and powerful people, what the hell is happening there at the dang Bohemian Grove? Well, initially, this gathering was extremely secretive. Hardly anyone knew that very prominent figures in society were gathering for this yearly two-week event. Now, there are some individuals that did know about this two-week gathering during the summer that had these rich and powerful people come there. However, these individuals that knew about it, they weren't involved with the gathering itself and actually going to it. They were just like the security people for the area and actual cooks that were brought into the camp that were cooking for these famous people during this two-week event. Now, when the security people or cooks for this two-week event were like kind of asking, hey, you know, what's going on there? You know, why are all these famous people here? They were told that this 16-day gathering, now we say two weeks, but it's really 16 days, this gathering involved concerts, theater, informal lectures, parties, fine dining, casual networking, and government policy review, all taking place out of the public eye. That's what they were told what's going on there, and that's what happens. However, this was only part of what was truly going on at this yearly event. As with any elite secret society, over the years, rumors have grown to great numbers, but the members tend to say that these rumors are just rumors that are fabricated due to them being an exclusive non-public gathering that has a strict no-cell-phone policy, and they don't allow any journalist or media coverage inside of the event. Because they have a mysteriousness around them that the public tends to create these off-the-wall rumors. Well, yeah, I mean... You don't know what's going on. You got all the people that pretty much control the world or say what happens and writes laws. Yeah. What are they doing? You know, it makes people wonder. So are these just truly rumors? Or is there actual proof that strange things happen there at the Bohemian Grove? So since we just went over the history of it, and that's, that's the history of the whole thing, let's dive into the strange facts and findings surrounding this mysterious place. So Hans, do you want to start it off for us? 
Our first strange fact and finding that we are going to discuss is Bohemian Grove's motto, which is, Weaving spiders come not here. This motto means that the talk of business is discouraged during the two-week retreat at the Grove. However, in 1991, a reporter who worked for People.com named Dirk Matheson, he snuck inside this two-week retreat. Dirk said that there are speeches galore, that during his time there, he witnessed a speech by former Navy Secretary John Lehman. In this speech, John spoke about smart weapons and claimed that during the Gulf War, around 200,000 Iraqis were killed with the United States smart weapons. That wasn't the only speech. Dirk claimed that the former United States Secretary of Health, Education, and Welfare, Joseph Califano, gave a speech titled America's Health Revolution, where he spoke about who lives, who dies, who pays. And the last speech of that night was given by former United States Attorney General Elliot Richardson, which was titled, and I quote, Defining the New World Order. Shortly after that last speech, some executives from Time Warner, which, by the way, was the parent company of People.com, well, these executives recognized Dirk. These executives snitched on him, and Dirk was thrown out. So that following day, Dirk went to his supervisors and editors at People.com and submitted his account of what he had witnessed there at Bohemian Grove. He wrote his story, and it was scheduled to be published. However, it was mysteriously pulled, and he was never given a reason why. Now, side note here. There has been a huge lack of media coverage on Bohemian Grove. No one touches it. Well, maybe because the individuals who own the media companies actually go there, and they don't want to let it be known. And guess what? That is true. That's right. Time Warner isn't the only media corporation who has executives that go to Bohemian Grove. Jack Howard and Charles Scripps of Scripps Howard Newspaper, both of them attend, as well as Tom Johnson, who was the former president of not only the Los Angeles Times, but also the former president of CNN. And he is a member of the Board of Trustees of the Rockefeller Foundation. That dude is the Illuminati itself. Right. I believe, uh, if I'm not mistaken, he's still alive. I think he's like 90. Hold on, let me, let me fact check that real quick. Uh, yeah, he's still alive, and he's not 90, he's 79. My bad. Close enough. Didn't mean to get you, add uh, 11 years to you, Tom. Yeah, he's probably 90. Adrenochrome probably took him back down to 79. Yeah. All right, so that was the first strange fact and finding. Now let's move on to our next one. And it kind of picks up where we just left off. And except talking about media networks, let's discuss what corporations have attended this mysterious gathering. So we dove deep into seeing how many CEOs or VPs or executives from major corporations in America have attended this gathering. And here's what we found. We found that at least one officer or director from 40 of the 50 largest industrial corporations in America were present as a member or a guest at that gathering. We also found that officers and directors from 20 of the top 25 commercial banks, including all of the 15 largest, 
were also there. Directors from 12 of the top 25 life insurance companies were in attendance. Eight of these 12 were from the top 10. These numbers just continue. 10 directors of the top 25 transportation companies, 8 directors of the top 25 utility companies, and 5 directors of the top retail companies. Now I know this brings up a few questions. For an example, what year are you talking about specifically that they attended? So we looked into that since we had lists from multiple years, and this is what we found. Starting in the early 90s, corporation presence started to increase even more there at Bohemian Grove to where it is at now currently, which we do have a list from 1991 of the companies that had three or more directors who were members of the Bohemian Club, which we'll go over right now. Starting off this list in first place is Bank of America, who had seven executives who were members. Next is Pacific Gas and Electric with five. Then AT&T, First Interstate Bank, and McKesson Corporation with four each. Then we have Safeco Insurance, Ford Motor Company, and General Motors with three each. So yeah, we just went from seven, five, four, and three. After that, it just, the numbers of corporations were just insane. So we just listed the top ones. So this shows you right there that... These corporations are going there and are getting invited by the politicians. And this is like where they kind of hang out. From the surface level, it's horrible. I mean, they're making policies behind closed doors. That's why corporations get all these uh, bailouts and shit and banks do because of this. Pretty much. Anyways, I'm going to stop my venting. I'm going to stop being angry and we're going to go on to the next strange fact and finding. Tell us about it, Hans. All right, so our next strange fact and finding is about the Manhattan Project. So if you don't know what that is, in real basic terms, it is the project that developed the atomic bomb that ended up being dropped on Japan twice. So why do we mention this Manhattan Project? What do nuclear bombs and the bombing of Nagasaki and Hiroshima have to do with the Bohemian Grove. Well, I'll tell you exactly what it has to do with it. This Manhattan Project, well, it was created there at Bohemian Grove. It all started back in September of 1942. Ernest O. Lawrence, J. Robert Oppenheimer, and the S-1 Committee, which eventually became the Manhattan Project, decided to meet at Bohemian Grove to strategize about building an atomic bomb. So how did the entire S-1 committee get entrance into the Grove event? Well, like we mentioned earlier, members can have approved guests on the compound and can invite approved guests for the two-week event. Since Ernest O. Lawrence was a member of the Bohemian Club, he was able to get the entire S-1 committee as well as J. Robert Oppenheimer into the gathering. Now, I know a lot of people will say, oh, this is bullshit, but it is actually true. There's photo evidence that showed all of them together at Bohemian Grove during a weekend event in 1942. Now, we do have a picture that shows this group together at Bohemian Grove, and I'm going to make a section on the website this week on theoriesofthethirdkind.com that's going to be reference pictures, and it's going to say 
the episode and the number, and then you can scroll down and it will show uh, all the pictures that we reference or links that we reference. So you can go there and click on it and look at all that stuff. But there you go. That's, that's it right there. I mean, even though it's in black and white, it's still a pretty good picture, too. It is. Great quality. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So let's go to our next strange fact and finding. Now, our next strange fact and finding is about journalists sneaking into the gathering. So like we said earlier, they don't allow journalists, reporters, or any media inside. However, this hasn't stopped countless journalists, reporters, and curious individuals from trying to sneak a peek at the mysterious happenings at the Bohemian Grove. Over the years, there have been a few who successfully have accomplished this. Now, we already talked about Dirk, who in 1991 snuck in. Let's discuss a few others. All right. So there was an individual named Philip Weiss, who was a writer for Spy Magazine. Well, he decided in 1989 to write an article about Bohemian Grove. Now, Philip wanted a first-hand account at what the hell was actually going on there. So he started to look into how he could get access to the gathering. Of course, he quickly learned that there was a waiting list and uh, that he had to put his name down on it and the wait was going to be around 33 years. Philip said screw waiting 33 years and instead decided to sneak into the gathering posing as a guest. Surprisingly, this worked and he spent seven days there. After he left the gathering, he published an article titled Inside Bohemian Grove. And in the article, he is quoted saying, You know you are inside the Bohemian Grove when you come down a trail in the woods and hear piano music from amid a group of tents, and then round a bend to see a man with a beer in one hand and his penis in the other, urinating into the bushes. Now, Philip also said in the article that there was a strange area near the grove in the middle of their redwood forest tree line that contained 16 payphones. Now, keep in mind, this was back in 1989, so they didn't have cell phones back then. All right, so all the exclusive members would go there to use the payphones in the middle of the forest to call back home or other individuals while they were there at the gathering. That's weird to have f***ing payphones out there. In the middle of the forest, yeah, very weird. Philip did say that while he was standing near this area of payphones, that he had overheard Henry Kissinger's conversation. Now, a quick knowledge nugget. If you don't know who Henry Kissinger is, he was the former United States Secretary of State and former United States National Security Advisor. Just keep that in mind. So Phillips stated in his article that he heard Henry talking on one of that payphones loudly with someone that he called Sunshine. He told her that they had gone birdwatching that morning and had a jazz concert coming up. Henry then started telling Sunshine over the phone names of individuals who were there in attendance. He said Nick Brady, which Brady was the U.S. Treasury Secretary at the time. Tom Johnson is there, and Tom was the publisher of Los Angeles Times at at the time, who would end up becoming the president of it and the president of CNN and on the board of the Rockefeller or Rothschilds, whichever one it was. Yeah, so he said those two were there. Henry also said that the Indian Bajpai was there, which Henry was referring to Shankar Bajpai, who was the former ambassador to the United States. Henry then said that they also had a Russian there today. 
Phillips stated that the Russian that Henry was referring to was physicist Ronald Sugdi, who was a member of the Soviet Supreme Council at the time. Ronald had given a speech the day prior to Henry and a few other powerful men as well. So other things that Philip talked about in his article is how these individuals there always spoke about business, even though their motto was to not talk about business there. Now, Philip did go over the weird rituals that occurred there, such as the cremation of care, which we'll get into more detail here in a bit, since we actually made an its own strange fact and finding section. So a little over 10 years after Philip snuck in, in the year 2000, popular radio host Alex Jones snuck in. But before we talk about his findings, let's quickly discuss the most recent sneak in. In 2008, a reporter from Vanity Fair snuck into the Grove to investigate the activity. In May of 2009, the reporter published an article summarizing his experience there, in which he titled, Bohemian Tragedy. Now, just real quick, I read that entire article from Vanity Fair, and he, um, he basically snuck in not to really find out it, like what the hell was going on there, but to find out if they had been cutting down the redwood trees. So we'll just kind of go over a little bit of what he experienced there. So it started off with him being able to squeeze through a hole in a chain link fence onto the 2,700 acre property of Bohemian Grove. And then he followed an old overgrown railroad bed to the main camp area. Now, his goal was to make it into the camp and to witness the cremation of care and also investigate whether or not they've been cutting down redwood trees, which was his main goal, uh, all while evading the security that was monitoring the area. Now, just a little knowledge nugget here. These security guards that they had hired they were retired CIA and FBI agents, as well as past military officials and military people. So just keep that in mind. So there were no pushovers? No, no pushovers. The reporter eventually makes it to the big stage area that has the 40-foot owl. Below the stage, it had chairs set up for the members to sit and watch the cremation of care. The reporter picked a random seat and sat down. Unknowingly, he sat in the VIP section. This tipped off a few of the members who alerted the security. Security came over and starts to question him. He gets up and is able to bullshit his way out of the situation, explaining that he is a guest and quickly walked away. Yeah, so what happened was, is he was like, oh, I'm going to sit down in this VIP. Well, he didn't know it was a VIP section. He was like, I'm going to sit down and get a really good seat right in the middle. So he sat down where the middle row was and then two ritzy ditzy guys in like real expensive suits sat down in front of him and they kind of leaned, they looked at him and then they kind of leaned and talked into each other, talked to each other and said, aren't you glad that we have reserved seats? And the reporter didn't put two and two together that they were kind of like, what is this fucking hobo doing sitting in our section? Instead, he like leaned forward and was like, yeah, are you guys excited to witness this cremation of care? And they just kind of like ignored him. So they went and tipped off security. Security came over there and was like, hey, man, what are you what are you doing sitting in the VIP section? He was like, oh, my bad. I'm just a guest. I didn't know any better. I just wanted to kind of see the angle from here. And he kind of like walked away as he was talking to him and he was able to get away. So when he got away, he walked up a path and away from the ceremony and it was about to begin the ceremony. So he was trying to figure out 
if he could find like a good hiding spot with an unobstructed view of the stage. And he, he did find one. So he kneeled down, like kind of like squatted down and was like looking through these trees. But right before the ceremony started, a uh, security guard walked up and put a flashlight on him. And he was like, oh, shit. And stood up and was like, you got me. The reporter then fessed up to the security guard, of course, that he was not a member or guest that, you know, he just snuck in. He was then escorted to a conference room in the office building of the club where the guard told him to empty all his pockets. Shortly after an individual arrives, who appears to be some type of manager over the security group, the reporter tells him his name and that individuals tell him that they already know who he is and who he works for, as if they had been expecting him. They then take pictures of the reporter, as well as photocopies of all his notes and pictures of his belongings. A police officer then arrives and tells the reporter that he is under arrest for trespassing. The reporter is taken to the police car, and as he is being walked there, the reporter tells the police officer, look, man, I had a strong suspicion of, you know, some criminal activities going on around here, and he was being given false information, and that these elites can't get away with all this bad shit. That's what he actually told him. And the police officer didn't say anything. He just kind of shook his head and put him in the police cruiser and then took him to jail, which the reporter was charged with a misdemeanor of trespassing. He was actually booked into jail and was released five hours later on bond and banned from ever entering the Bohemian Grove again. Damn. So, yeah, that was his encounter. Not much. You know, I'm pretty sure we could do that. Let's go. All right. So, speaking of sneaking in, let's go to our next strange fact and finding. This one's a good one. All right, so our next strange fact and finding is about Alex Jones. So, if you don't know who he is, we did a really good in-depth episode on him today on, for the Patreon. It only costs $5, and not only do you get access to that episode, but also all previous episodes. All right, so back to Alex Jones. For those who don't know who he is... He is a very popular radio host that runs the website Infowars.com. Well, back in the year 2000, Alex and a cameraman infiltrated the Bohemian Grove. The pair not only witnessed, but they also filmed one of the club's ceremonies known as the Cremation of Care. So, what is the Cremation of Care? Well... It was first conducted in 1881, and it is a ceremony in which some of the club's members participate as actors on a stage. This dramatic performance occurs on the first night of the annual gathering. The reason it is done on the first night is because they say that this ceremony banishes worldly cares for the club members. So basically just makes them careless. The only thing that matters right now is this two-week event at this club, nothing else matters. Now, what we're about to go over is a transcript that I wrote out as I watched the entire ceremony that Alex Jones had captured on camera, that cremation of care. So what we're about to describe is that, the cremation of care. I will act as the narrator, and Dan and Hans will be the announcers for this ceremony. So let's start this. Let me first set the scene. This entire ceremony takes place at nighttime, 
in front of a 40-foot-tall owl shrine, which is a giant hollow owl statue made of concrete over steel supports, and it's located near the artificial lake. All 2,000-plus members gather in front of this giant owl shrine and take their seats. Shortly after, the start of the ceremony begins. A small wooden boat travels from across the lake towards the owl shrine, all while bagpipes are being played in the background. In the small wooden boat, there are two men, one in the front and one in the back. Both of them have black hooded robes on. In the middle of the wooden boat is an effigy made of wood. Now, if you don't know what an effigy is, it's pretty much a life-size 3D sculpture or model of a person. So it's pretty much like a life-size wooden human figurine. All right, so when this boat reaches the land, the bagpipes stop playing. A person is standing on stage near the 40-foot tall owl. He picks up a microphone and looks towards the 2,000-plus members sitting below. A single snare drum is hit. Its noise echoes through the speakers that are placed on each side of the stage. The man with the microphone then says the following. The owl is in his leafy temple. Let all within the grove show respect before him. Lift up your heads, O ye trees, and be ye lifted. Up ye everlasting spires. Behold, here is Bohemia's shrine. And holy are the pillars of this house. A single snare drum is hit again, and the man continues to speak. Weaving spiders come not here. Another single snare drum is hit. At this time, the wooden human effigy is taken out of the boat. Then it is carried by multiple people in hooded robes, led by others in hooded robes as well, except these people are carrying torches. The human effigy is then placed at the bottom of the giant owl shrine. The person with the microphone then says the following. Hail Bohemians! With the ripple of waters, the song of birds, such music as inspires the sinking soul. Do we invite you into midsummer's joy? The sky above is blue and sown with stars. The forest floor is heaped with fragrant grit. The evening's cool kiss is yours. The campfires glow. For behold, here is Bohemia's shrine, and holy are the pillars of his house. Shake off your sorrows with the city's dust, and cast to the winds the cares of life. But memories bring back the well-loved names of friends. Who knew and loved this grove? Dear companions of a long ago, let them join us in this ritual. Attend our tale. Gather ye forest folks. Cast your spells over these mortals. Touch their world-blind eyes. Open their eyes to fancy. Follow the memories of yesterday and seal the gates of sorrow. It is a dream, and yet not all a dream. For beauty is eternal, and we bow to beauty everlasting. 
For lasting happiness we turn our eyes to one alone. And she surrounds you now. Great nature, refuge of the weary heart, she hath cool hands for every fevered brow, and the gentlest silence for the troubled soul. Her counsels are most wise, she healeth well, she is ever faithful. Our friends may fail, but seek ye her in any quiet place, smiling, she will rise and give you her kiss. You must ye come as children, little children that believe do not ever doubt her beauty or her faith. Right after that, music then starts playing. It is like an ambient violin and piano background sound for about 10 seconds, and then it abruptly stops. The person then picks up the microphone again and starts speaking. Bohemians and priests, the desperate call of heavy hearts is answered. By the power of your fellowship, dull care is slain. His body has been brought yonder to our funeral pyre, to the joyous singings of a funeral march. Our funeral pyre awaits the corpse of care. O thou, thus ferried across the shadowy tide, in all the ancient majesty of death, fire shall have its will of thee. Bring fire. So at this point, music, like some action music starts playing, and the crowd starts cheering super loudly. As they are cheering, some crazy-ass people in robes run out of the corner of the darkness, like they ran out of nowhere. They just appeared, ran out of the darkness, and ran onto the stage with some lit torches. Uh, then a loud-ass scream happens over the speakers. It's like a super loud scream, and then a loud laugh is heard throughout the speakers. That same person who laughs then picks up the microphone and says the following. Fools, fools, fools. When will ye learn that I cannot be slain? Year after year ye burn me in this grove, lifting your puny shouts of triumph to the stars. When again you turn your faces to the marketplace, do you not find me waiting? Fools, fools, fools to dream you conquer care. The voice then changes to a different one, which is a person who started this stupid-ass speech to begin with. It says, Say thou mocking spirit, it is not all a dream. We know thou waiting for us. When this holiday has ended, we shall meet thee and fight. And some of us prevail against thee, and some thou shalt destroy. Year after year within this happy grove, our fellowship bans thee for a space. So shall we burn thee once again this night, and with the flames that eat thine effigy, midsummer sets us free. The voice then switches to an angry dude who says, Ye shall burn me once again. He does a demon-like laugh and continues on saying, Not with these flames which ye have brought from regions where I reign, Ye fools and priests, I spit upon your fire. Then what looks like a firework is shot towards the effigy. Now, this firework, it either came from the sky or it could have been like placed on top of a tree and aimed down towards the effigy. Either way, something was shot that looked like a firework at that damn effigy. I guess it was supposed to like resemble a fireball or something from the sky. 
Uh, I couldn't really see where it came from because it was super dark. Uh, so right after that, the voice then continues to talk over the speaker. It says, Oh, Owl, Prince of all mortal wisdom, Owl of Bohemia, we beseech thee, grant us thy counsel. Now this next voice starts talking, but it is more like a singing voice with music in the background. They say, No fire, no fire, no fire. Let it be in the world where care is nourished on the hates of men and drive him from his grove. One flame alone must light this fire, a pure eternal flame. At last, within the lamp of fellowship, upon the altar of Bohemia. At this point, the music continues to play, but the singing style stops, and a different person picks up the microphone and says, O great owl of Bohemia, we thank thee for thy oath. Be gone, disliked care, be gone. Once more, we banish thee. The music then stops playing, and the voice says, Be gone, dull care. Fire should have its will of thee. Be gone, dull care. And all the winds make merry with thy dust. Hail fellowship's eternal flame. Once again, midsummer sets us free. At this point, the crowd starts cheering extremely loudly, uh, almost like everyone is like screaming in excitement. It's very odd. Uh, the human effigy is then set on fire, and from the speakers, you can hear a man screaming. I guess this is supposed to like emulate the screams of the effigy, uh, but it's almost like a demon-like scream. Now, while it's screaming, uh, the crowd continues to clap and cheer, almost like they just won a football game or something. Uh, a few seconds after that, while the effigy's still on fire and everybody's cheering, fireworks get set off. And I mean, not like your mom and pops, like 25 cent bottle rocket. This is like full on city of town hall fireworks, 4th of July type. And that's the cremation of care right there. That's the full video that Alex Jones caught. Now, this weird ass ritual that was taped by Alex was spread around to everyone. Of course, news broke and rumors of devil worshiping and human sacrifices started to spread, just like how Aaron just made us summon a demon. Some of the members of Bohemian Club decided to speak out about what the ritual was. According to them, this ritual was an innocent one. That it served to symbolically cremate the worldly cares of the conscious to ensure the success of the club's midsummer meeting that is about to take place the following day. Of course, this didn't help the group. Individuals found it hard that this was only a symbolic thing for the group. That it was very out of the ordinary that world leaders were pretending to offer a wooden human in a fiery sacrifice to a 40-foot shrine in the middle of the woods. Yeah, and I wouldn't honestly believe it unless I actually saw the video. And I saw the video myself, and it is extremely odd. We'll have a link to that video on our site um, under references extremely weird and odd that the elites are partaking in this and doing this. But let's move on to our next strange fact and finding, which is about our previous one, the cremation of care. So in the video recordings on the cremation of care, Alex Jones, the one who caught it on video, often calls the giant 40-foot owl Moloch or Moloch. But why does he call him that? 
Well, let's talk about who Moloch is. He's an ancient Canaanite god who appears in the form of a massive bull with a human torso. In ancient times, children were sacrificed to Moloch so parents could gain the favor of the god. Some say that these elites are mock sacrificing or actually sacrificing children during these rituals to Moloch to gain certain power and control over humans. Now, that is just speculation. These world leaders couldn't be sacrificing or mock sacrificing children, right? Well, let's talk about our next strange fact and finding. Yeah, and just a warning. Viewer discretion advised. Yeah, viewer discretion advised. This gets kind of weird. Now, <clears throat> our next strange fact and finding is about a photograph. Now, this photograph is one that was taken at Bohemian Grove in 1909 during the cremation of care ceremony. In this picture, you can see a lot of individuals surrounding what looks like a child that is strapped onto a table. Standing behind the child that's on the table is a man wearing a black robe with his hand raised above the child where the child is laying. It is also worth noting here that the child's eyes are closed in this picture. So we do have a picture of that, which will be on our website, theoriesofthethirdkind.com. You could click on show references, and then you should just be able to scroll down, and it will say Bohemian Grove references, and it will show you the pictures and stuff. And this was the 1909 photograph. So what do you guys think of that? It's pretty messed up. This had to be before 9, 9 p.m. because there's two women sitting in front. So there was a time in Bohemian Grove history, it was like three or four years, that they allowed women into the club. And it was only for three or four years that they allowed them. And then they kicked them out and said, you're not allowed anymore. This is a man-only event. Yeah, so that's why there's women sitting down at the bottom. What do you think of that, though? That's, that looks weird. It's a creepy-ass picture. It is. It is very creepy. Why would they be doing this? That one guy looks like he's dressed as an old-time cop. With the weird hat on the right side? Yeah. I mean, it is 1909. I mean, he looks like a cop. You see that chupacabra there? It's blurry, just like Bigfoot. Yeah. He's like, ooh, let me get that. Y'all got some goats? What kind of flags are they holding? Or are they just like solid color? I don't know. Oh, and for the listeners who can't see the photo and you don't want to go to our website, it's a black and white photo. All right, so let's go on to the next photo. Now, if that picture isn't bad enough, it gets worse. Another picture surfaced from the Bohemian Grove gathering that same year. This picture shows a lot of individuals gathered around what looks like someone being hung. The individual that is being hung has what looks like a hat on, so you can't see the individual's face. Now, some people have said that this is a dummy that was used in another ceremony. But we have the picture here, and we'll link it up on our site. Them hands look real. The hands? Yeah. And the feet, how they're positioned close together. Um, the clothes look well-fitting. Yeah, I don't think it's a dummy. No. Do they already have somebody covered in a white sheet to the right, too? Yeah, there is somebody else that's in a white sheet that's laying down. I don't know what that is. But if you look in the far back, okay, first look at the guy being hung. Then look above him and to the right. And you see the chick with the glowing eyes? Yeah. I was about to say, like, that's a demon, man. Approving of it. That's Malik. 
Yeah. That's scary. Yeah, it is. To think that they're do- they were doing shit like this. Go take a look at these pictures on our site. Send us an email. Tell us what you think of them. It's weird as shit. All right. So let's go on to the next strange fact and finding. That is also uh, viewer discretion advised. It just gets worse. Our last strange fact and finding, which is sort of similar to our last two, but it's about a book. Now, in the 1992 book titled The Franklin Cover-Up, it includes the testimony of a man named Paul Bonacci. Paul states in his testimony that he was shown a snuff film of a child being murdered on July 26th, 1984 in California. The area that the child was being murdered in was an area that had big trees and an enormous moss-covered owl along with men in hooded robes. After that testimony, Paul was shown a black-and-white photo of the moss-covered owl at Bohemian Grove. Paul quickly identified it as the site of the July 1984 snuff film of the child being murdered. Now, even though law enforcement officials knew about his testimony, no official investigation was made. So just a little knowledge nugget here for you. Some of y'all may not know what the Franklin cover-up is, so let's explain it to you real quick. All right. So the Franklin cover-up was the biggest pedophile scandal in the history of the United States. The story initially received some newspaper coverage and media coverage at the beginning of it, but it quickly got blacked out by the news media, and they didn't touch the subject at all. For this reason, most individuals have never heard about this. So, Dan, start telling us about it. So it all came to light from a documentary that was scheduled to air called The Conspiracy of Silence. This Conspiracy of Silence documentary exposed an underage sex ring network being used by top religious leaders and Washington politicians. Now, this documentary was set to air on May 3rd, 1994 on the Discovery Channel. Word of this documentary started to spread and everyone was anxiously anticipating it. Shortly before its airing, an unknown congressman threatened the TV cable industry with restrictive legislation if the documentary was aired. However, that didn't stop them from attempting to publish it. No, it didn't. Only a few hours before it was set to air, the rights to the documentary was purchased by an unknown person who had ordered all the copies to be destroyed. So only a few days later, a copy of this documentary was anonymously delivered to former Nebraska state senator and attorney John D. Camp. This documentary was showed proof that boy prostitutes who were 15 years old and younger were taking midnight tours of the White House. The White House logs show the boys taking the tours and visiting George H.W. Bush, along with other presidential figures around midnight, 1 a.m. and 2 a.m. These underage boys were provided by an individual named Lawrence E. King, who had connections to the Republican Party and also sang at the Republican convention. This Lawrence E. King had opened a boy's home in Nebraska where he took in foster kids. He would fly the foster kids to Washington, D.C., where they would get special midnight tours of the White House, 
Lawrence would also fly them to the White House to be used as servers for special occasions for various politicians or religious leaders. Now, this Lawrence E. King dude who was providing the kids was also a manager of a community bank. Even though he was a manager of a bank only making 30000 a year, he was living a lavish lifestyle of a millionaire. He had a private jet and multiple mansions. So the IRS heard about this documentary along with this Lawrence E. King dude and began to wonder how he was able to afford all these expensive ass things on only a $30,000 a year salary. They started an investigation and found that Lawrence E. King had multiple payments into his bank account from high-profile individuals and politicians for reasons that were undisclosed. So an investigation was then started, and it quickly and quietly ended with state and federal grand juries concluding that the allegations were not true, and it was all a hoax. They said it was a hoax, even though there were documents that showed flight logs of the boys being flown to the White House and White House logs showing that the kids took a White House tour from the times of midnight to 3 a.m. And the payments to Lawrence E. King into his personal bank account by high-profile politicians and other individuals. Damn. Which, I don't know how that can be a hoax. That whole thing is strange. And honestly, we need to do a full episode over uh, the Franklin cover-up because that's kind of like a quick summary of it, and it goes way deeper than that. Oh, yeah, it does. The kids, years later, get brought back to testify in court about them actually going and doing, quote-unquote, favors for politicians. And they would, like, get calls before they would go to testify and these calls would be like, hey, we're going to murder you and your whole family. Or they would end up, the day before, they would end up being found dead from a drug overdose. It's just so suspicious. Anyways, we'll cover that on a full episode in the future. So just keep that in mind. Crazy stuff, man. Yeah. All right. So that's the end of Strange Facts and Findings. So let's move on to theories. Woot woot. All right. Start it off, Dan. All right. So the first theory that we are going to go over is that the fate of the world is decided at Bohemian Grove. This theory comes from an individual who posted on a message board claiming that they lived only four miles from Bohemian Grove. This individual said that some of their friends worked at the camp and the father of one of her friends was a member. The user on the message board then said, and I quote, Why is Bohemian Grove so feared? Because policy is made there. That is where Ronald Reagan and Nixon made their deal that Nixon would run for president in 1972 and Reagan would run in 1980, which is what happened. They have lakeside talks given by well-known policymakers, CEOs, and politicians from various policies. I have seen the topics discussed and oddly enough, 10 years later, these suggested policies become actual policies in the real world. Policy is made behind closed doors without the input of the public. This is undemocratic. So that's the first theory. And I believe that. Well, not so much the fate of the world, but I believe... Fate of the United States. The fate of the United States, yeah. And what 
their uh, decisions are going to be for the following year and plans. I think that motto is just like a cover up, right? So when people say, oh, you talk about business there, they're like, no, our motto is to not talk about business there, which is obviously not the truth. They do talk about business. Yeah. So I would give a thumbs up to that theory. I mean, maybe it's not even considered a business to them. They're in such control. It's just a lifestyle. Yeah. All right. So let's go on to our next theory, which revolves around Alex Jones. You know, the guy who snuck in and took a video of cremation of care and spread it out to all the news agencies and everybody. So this theory is that Alex Jones didn't actually sneak into Bohemian Grove, that he is actually a part of the elite and was told to pretend to sneak into it. And uh, the elites would make the cremation of care look like a theatrical performance instead of a real human sacrifice. Basically, it was a way for the people at Bohemian Grove to fool the public into thinking they're just doing innocent stuff. And instead, they're actually doing some strange and nefarious shit. Instead of theatrical performances, maybe they are doing some human sacrifices or something. That's the theory, that Alex Jones was a plant. Or maybe he wasn't a plant. Maybe they found out he was coming, so they set it up to look like a theatrical performance instead of doing the actual cremation of care. Because if you remember, that one guy who snuck in uh, in 2008? Yeah. Yeah, 2008 through Fanity Fair. They said when they caught him that they already knew who he was and they were expecting him. So maybe it was just a performance rather than what truly goes on there. That's that theory. Let's go to the next theory. So this theory is kind of boring, but it is that this gathering is simply a team building event among wealthy and powerful men. It allows them to let loose, get drunk, talk freely with one another and get away from their wives and say, you know, whatever they want. Yeah, I mean, it is what it seems like is what this theory is. You know, it is just an innocent getaway. But speaking of wives, uh, as I was looking up this topic, I came across a very interesting Reddit post. So around 11 years ago, someone posted on Reddit and they said, hey, I worked at Bohemian Grove as a server, you know, ask, ask me whatever you want. Someone asked if there were any prostitutes or AKA sex workers there or if they had any fights break out. The person responded to that question and said, I think there were prostitutes, AKA sex workers, but I never saw any. But the consensus seemed to be that they were definitely around. There was a whorehouse across the river from the grove, and I'm pretty sure they were brought in. There was an older 40-ish year old server woman there who seemed to be pretty friendly with some of the members. Now, I never saw a fight there. Uh, most of the members seemed to be pretty jolly most of the time, and they were drunk for the entire time they were there. Now, going off of that, what that guy said in his post, and assuming that this guy is telling the truth, or woman, whichever it is, maybe the politicians do love going there, and it's just a normal getaway, but to add to their getaway, these sex workers who live across the lake come over at night and hook them up with some goodies. So it's just kind of like, hey, they talk politics and business, and then at nighttime, they get down to business. And that's why they don't allow women there. All right, tell me y'all's personal thoughts and theories behind it. If you had to pick one theory as to what you thought this Bohemian Grove was or is, what would it be, Dan? Let me hear yours. 
I would believe that it's pretty much like the first theory is that these high ranking people go there to discuss how at least the United States should be controlled or what path they should take next, at least. If they go this way, we can do this. We can set up this country to make them look like the bad guys or some shit like that. It's just there's too many coincidences in this. People go in there, then all of a sudden they start moving up higher up in the rankings from like, you know, George Bush going from governor, then whatever, into boom, presidency. Yeah, that's what we know for facts. Yeah. After you go there, you start moving up in the world. And we do know that CEOs of corporations and businessmen do go there. And we do know for a fact that they talk about business there. Now, what do you think the cremation of care is? Do you think it's innocent or do you think it has a more of an occult-like nature? Ooh, honestly, I'm on the fence about that one. Because you know how you're saying like they go there to like let loose and all that stuff? You know, maybe they're doing that to like just let loose, burn some shit, you know, take out their anger or whatever on something. But then again, they make it sound too occultish to like they're actually trying to summon something to help them stay in control or. Yeah, like they're asking for help from something. Yeah. Huh. So like I'm I'm on the fence about it, but it's more leaning towards the occult stuff. Okay, Hans, what about you? I'm going to tell you straight up my big old theory about it that I was listening to the whole time, like in my head. I view that maybe it's not the fate of the world, but it's the fate of the economy that is determined there at Bohemian Grove. Because think about it. You have Harry Kissinger there reporting to somebody named Sunshine all these big game players that are there. What if... This is not like for the elite, or it's for the elite, but it's hosted by the United States government and is used to manipulate the economy by tagging and wiretapping all these individuals' cabins and finding out all the dirty, dirty good stuff they have. Therefore, being able to leverage that against these companies' CEOs and whatnot to get better prices for defense contracts. Oh, shit. Yeah, dude. They've been thinking about this the whole time, ever since Harry Kissinger was brought up. Defense contracts, um, the manipulation of, you know, oil through the company, through the United States, electrical prices, all these big companies, legit, that can be named that are there. What if this is just a way to blackmail them so that we can boost the U.S. economy or hike up prices to bail us out of more debt? With the promise of, hey, if you guys go under, pss, pss, well, we can bail you out. Don't worry about it. You know, it's weird you mention that blackmail. Because if you remember, there's that theory that Jeffrey Epstein brought those uh, politicians and rich people in to get quote unquote massages. But that was actually blackmail. Yep. Well, if you think about his island and the building he had on his island, what was at the top of that building? An owl. An owl. What's at Bohemian Grove? A 40 foot owl. Yeah coincidence i don't know but that's my theory is that the u.s government uses it to control assets to manipulate because i mean it's not even just the u.s companies there could be foreign diplomats that come that we just don't know about kind of like the former uh, ambassador to the u.s from india a russian physicist i mean it's 2021 we could have world leaders being snuck in there and we wouldn't know but what if this is ways to broker treaties or get more money from other countries? There's like, hey, by the way, you know, if you don't do this, pss, pss, 
There might be a war or something bad might happen to you if you don't do this. And I promise you, we will end your damn career. What do you think the cremation of care is? I think that it's like a real, like, you know, maybe like a prayer to whatever belief they believe in. Like a pregame ritual or something? Yeah, you know, it's like pregame and before Thanksgiving dinner, you bow your head. Um, we don't really go over religion, but, you know, I grew up in a, like, Christian household, so it's like, you know, dear God, thank you for the food. You know, what if that's their beliefs and that's their prayer that they're using to, you know, bless what's about ready to happen? Yeah. And like how Dan grew up in a Buddhist household and I grew up in a Satanist household. We all have different views on religion. Yep. Some people shoot the FBI when they try to take the children from the compound. Some thank, bless the, the chicken. Yeah. It just all depends where you're raised at. But yeah, I, I, I do want to kind of lean on like what you were saying about like, hey, it's the blackmail for them to get information on the corporations and stuff like that, which I don't think now is necessary because all they got to do is just say, hey, NSA, give me all the information you have on this person's cell phone and tap it and then give me the records. So you already have all that. But back then they didn't have that. So what they allowed during these two week events was like you said, they wiretapped their camps and not only that, but the pay phones as well. Now, in regards to the, um, the cremation of care, I want to say it's more like a ancient god of some sort that they worship that allows them to be powerful. There's some being out there that is granting them the ability to attain this status. And they kind of worship it before their meeting to grant them the year of wellness or of power. And this burning of this effigy is kind of like their sacrifice to it. Maybe, hold on, wait, because in that, in the cremation of care, that thing is like yelling and it gets angry and says, you cannot defeat me, right? Yeah. And they, they catch it on fire. Maybe they're burning the cremation of care and the cremation of care symbolizes some being of good that is trying to hold back these individuals from controlling the population or taking advantage of other people. And they're like, F you, we worship, you know, the bad energy over here or whatever. I was kind of thinking the opposite a little bit. So they do this cremation of care the night before that big meeting they have, right? So let's say that they do this cremation of care to, I guess you say, fight or burn against their own hatred towards each other. Because they're not all from like the same committee, not from the same companies and stuff like that. I mean, even though they're probably working together. What if, say, they're doing that to kind of cleanse themselves so the next day for that meeting, they all work together? Against the common sheep? The common sheep, the people, yeah. Okay. Just trying to think of a different, different approach. Yeah. But the blackmailing thing makes sense too, though. It does. Because, like, when you think about, like Hans was saying, the fate of the economy. Money controls the world, pretty much. Yep. And back then, you would have to blackmail. And they're only allowed to bring in, like, family members or close friends or guests like that. So them blackmailing one person, they're like, hey, if you don't invite this person or bring in your son or something like that, we're going to let the world know. So pretty much it's like a pretty much a domino effect of blackmailing. Yeah. Pyramid scheme. That sucks. Yeah. Well, I can say this. It is freaking weird. Whatever this is, is weird. Yeah. And it just doesn't seem right that 
they have all these high up people that pretty much control the United States going there talking behind closed doors. We need to uh, we need to go there somehow in the future. Maybe we'll start like a GoFundMe. Send Aaron, Dan, and Hans to Bohemian Grove. Yep. Undercover with like uh, night vision goggles, you know, and stuff like that. Oh, dude, f- that I use the heat vision, dude. Well, okay. Thermal. That way you can always find them. See, that's why you will be our lead. <gasps> hey, they have a website that somebody linked that I found that has the job uh, openings for that place. They're looking for servers cooks and an IT administrator. Imagine if you could get a job as an IT administrator. Oh my gosh. You'd be you get blackmailed easily. You could get access to everything. Not that I would, and this is just saying hypothetically if somebody, you know, is listening to this. This is hypothetically. So anyways, that's the end of the episode. Y'all got anything else you want to add or anything? No, I'm good. If any of you sneak onto there, remember, we didn't send you. We don't know who the hell you are. Don't blame us. If anything, you know, just send us an email about what happened, and we might include it on the show one day. All right, so I want to thank you for joining us today. Uh, It was a great episode. I enjoyed it. It was a longer one, but well worth it. Um, So now we're going to get into our on-the-scene for this week. Now, if you don't know what an on-the-scene is, it is where a listener goes out onto the streets and gets their cell phone and interviews some random individual and asks them uh, about their personal thoughts and theories about current conspiracies and happenings around the world. Anyone can do this. Yes, you can go out and record anyone, and uh, we will play it on our show each week at the end of the show. But just make sure that when you submit the audio file that you submit it uh, to our emails, and it is less than two minutes long. Anything over two minutes automatically is disqualified. And just keep in mind that we do have a list of individuals, so there is a waiting list. It's not 20 to 30 years long. It's just a, a couple people. Um, it might be a few weeks before yours gets played. Just keep that in mind going forward. All right, so this week's On the Scene is a little different. Uh, we got an email a while back from an individual named Joe and he repairs cell phones and he said he found a beat up cell phone in the parking lot of a bar located in a city on the Gulf Coast of Florida. He works at a cell phone repair place so he brought the phone to his shop and tried to recover data from the cell phone to contact the owner. He found an audio file on it, which was a very large file. There was no contacts on it, just that audio file. So he decided to give it a listen and see if there was any mention on it. Well, it was an on-the-scene report. And guess what? Joe is a fan of the show. So he knew immediately what the -the on-the-scene was. So he edited the file down to less than two minutes and... uh, decided to send it to us for it to be played uh, for this week. Now, the audio file is from Bradley. So, Bradley, if you're missing a cell phone and you live in Florida, shoot me an email, and I'll get you in contact with the guy who found your crushed cell phone. So, we will play that on the scene right now. Hey, guys, it's Mr. G here with an on-scene report with the one and only Florida man. So, sir, uh, tell me, is there anything crazy that you've done recently? Well, one time I went, right, and I found this stuff. It's called bath salts, right? You take it, 
it's supposed to put it in your bath and it like makes your body tingle right but i found out that when you put it in your nostrils right it puts you like this whole nother place right so i did some right next thing i know here's bill clinton right he's running down like he's got like shit coming out of his mouth he's foaming at me and he's like oh look at that boy that's florida man i'm like man bill clinton you gotta stay the away from me so i took him right and i bit his face off and i'm sitting there i'm chewing his face right and he's like oh i did not do that with that man then why he chewing my face off so i'm sitting there i'm chewing his face off but next thing you know i realize it's not bill clinton right you know who it is you know who it is right who is it it was fucking hillary clinton his wife right they, they built the same so it was like an easy mistake to make right so i'm sitting there i'm chewing that bitch's face off right and next thing you know it's like fucking And that's the end of the recording, which it sounded like somebody got shot. Oh. Um, wow. What a weird on the scene. Well, good thing Hillary's a reptilian and he probably only ate the outer layer. I'm more concerned about Mr. G and if he made it out of that alive. Oh, no, dude, he's fine. He'll be okay. Okay. Yeah, if he joined the Discord, we'd know. Shots fired. Oh, also, we don't condone uh, drug use like that, so just want to put that out there. Bath salts are bad. Use them for the bath, not your nostrils. Yeah, but then again, we don't tell you what to do. Do whatever the hell you want to do. But we are not held responsible for anything that happens. You are your own person. You are responsible for your own actions. Yep, exactly, 100%. So, that is the On the Scene this week. Thank you again, Bradley, and thank you again, Joe, for submitting that to us. All right, so now we're going to move on to shout-outs, which are going to be pretty quick. Uh, I just got a few this week uh, from Instagram and a few from my emails. First shout-out goes to Shruti Hassan. Uh, you're awesome. Next shout-out goes to Brandon S. He's our official security muscle for the podcast. So if we ever go anywhere or need muscle, you know, as a security guard, he's, he's that guy. He's freaking jacked, and he has nice nipples, according to Hans. Um, dude, he, that picture, that picture without what, like where he took it in the mirror, that boy got a damn tree stump as a neck. Yeah, he's huge, man. Gigantic. Been working out. God bless. Yeah. Okay. So, um, shout out to you, Brandon. Love you. Uh, shout out to Austin T, Edwin C, uh, Angel Guerrero, Michael Hummer, Dustin S, Terry Huffman, Ali McEwen, Ewen. I think I pronounced that right. If I didn't, I'm sorry, Allie. Uh, Pinky McGee, Yell Milano, um, Cass Lethem, El Chimia, Roberto Curtis, Josh Mack, TJ Kerspit, The Galley Boys, Monkey Diltino, Ryan Chestnut, Jamal Barnes. And that is the end of the announcements from Instagram. I just got a couple on email I want to shout out real quick. I want to shout out Brittany M, Matthew Murphy, Shara Morris, Michael Smith, Derek Cromer, uh, Sam, Jesse Lugo, um, Diane Renteria, Kyle, Evan Rogers, Jason, Shannon, Caesar, and Amy and Corey G. Shout out to all you. I love you. I'm proud of all of you. And keep sending the love and we'll keep sending it right back. All right, Dan, who do you got for shout outs this week from Facebook? All right, for Facebook, I don't have many. Uh, Jacob G, 
Kelly S, Beth O, Sunny J, definitely vote Bigfoot, Stephen O, and that's pretty much it for Facebook. Then Discord got Jesse Fay, uh, Arnold. Arnold's been a big help with us lately. Thank you, Arnold. Oh yeah, thank you. I love you. Proud of you, Arthur. Yeah, I love you so much. Oh, and. Technically, we're recording this on Sunday, which today is his birthday. Happy birthday, Arnold. Happy birthday, Arnold. I'm proud of you, and I love you. Happy birthday. Then uh, Harry Scallywag, which his birthday was a couple days ago, I believe. Happy late birthday. Happy birthday, Harry. I love you. Yeah, happy, happy, happy birthday, you fugazi man. Fugazi, fugazi, what's you doing, Harry? Are you going to go get a pepperoni pizza? The Brooklyn style pizza. But uh see. Then um Tosh, then you got Sloop, Discordian, several. You know, there's just too many people on Discord to shout out. Y'all y'all are awesome. Y'all make my day when y'all talk shit. Uh then Lissa. Um then that's pretty much it for my shout outs. All right, uh, before we get to you, Hans, real quick, I just got a couple more shout-outs on my personal Instagram that I forgot about, personal through the show. You think you're so cool. I'm sorry, I just got a few more. I don't want to not include them. I want to include Hunter Hill. Thanks for the love. Amanda Wolf. Lindsay Dishpin. Dishpin. I don't know how to pronounce your last name. It's German. Um, and then Yannette Alley. Shout-out to all y'all. I love you. Love you. Nice. All right, Hans, who you got for shout outs? All right. Um, big old shout out to Thing Glizzy, Sloop, Aaron, Danielson, Jamal Barnes, and a big shout out to my little bro, E. You know where you are. I hope you're enjoying college, little bro. And, uh, you know, take it easy. Nice. All right. Well, uh, do you all have anything else you want to add to today's show before we ro- 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 roll it out? I hope you guys are happy with this long ass episode. It won't happen again for a while. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We're not doing this acting and summoning demons again. Sorry, guys. I just I love the summoning demons part. It was awesome. It had me like get real into that shit. Now something bad's going to happen to me. Thanks. All right. Thank you all for joining us. You know, it means a lot to all of us. Seriously. It does. We put in a whole bunch of time and effort into these episodes and to get messages and love sent to us means a lot. Uh, so I want to thank you all sincerely from the bottom of our hearts, from our entire hearts with love, peace, prosperity to you all. And uh, I just want you to know that. So I want to thank you again for joining us today. And again, thank you for all your support. You are amazing. Every single one of you. So with that being said, Dan and Hans, you want to roll us out? Sure will. It's okay to be out of this world with your thoughts. Because you're not alone.